Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. In this episode, I am super excited to welcome Aaron Luber to the podcast. I met Aaron recently on LinkedIn. I had been following Aaron for a while and knew that I had to reach out to her. Aaron brings a wealth of knowledge and insight to the show, gained through her years of experience in staffing, recruiting, leadership, and career coaching. During our conversation, we discuss today's job search trends and the future of work. Erin shares valuable advice on knowing how to tell your story, how to ask good questions, and why it's important to learn to embrace the discomfort of being wrong. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get started. Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thanks for having me, Betsy. I'm excited about this. Yes, me too. Um, I was saying to Erin before we started recording that I'm a bit of a fangirl um, because she has so much wisdom and experience and really just no-nonsense, practical, common-sense tips for job seekers and um, and people getting ready to enter the workforce that we're going to talk about today. But Before we get started on all that, Erin, will you just give a quick introduction, kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Erin Luber. I live in Detroit, Michigan with my family. I have two kids. I'm a mom, a working mom. I have a great husband who supports uh, everything that I do on LinkedIn and all my crazy stuff that I'm always obsessed over. And um, I, I do a couple of things. So I, by day, I lead a strategic sales team at Amazon. And I've been with Amazon for the past uh, six years now. And in that role, I have the opportunity to work as a hiring manager. So I, I lead teams, I, I coach and mentor my reports, I built my team from scratch. And, um, you know, leading up to that career at Amazon, I've worked in the recruiting industry and led teams there as well. So had a lot of opportunity to see what the behind the scenes looked like in many different companies for hiring. And, you know, getting feedback from hiring managers, watching candidates go in prepared or unprepared for interviews. And, um, and then aside from all of that, from my professional stuff, I, I run a consultancy on the side where I offer job search coaching and then also career development coaching to professionals, mid to senior level professionals who are really looking to level up in their career. So like I said, I've got a great husband who um, puts up with all of my shenanigans that I have probably too many passions <laughs> uh, beyond this, uh, I guess, a couple other things. Um, I, I'm super into crochet. I'm trying to teach my grandma taught me when I was a kid. And so I'm trying to get back into that. I'm a beekeeper, uh, grew up on a farm, and I love anything outdoors. So funny to do, but I, I love all things career and job search because we all go to work at some point in our lives and it's best to maximize that and make that something that makes the rest of the things we love in life possible. Ugh, so true. Yeah. I love the beekeeping part. I'm going to have to 
talk to you about that offline. Yeah, when, when we wrap this up, we'll talk bees. <laughs> okay. That's, I'm fascinated by that. That's awesome. So yeah, you do wear a lot of hats. You've had a lot of really relevant, valuable experience. I'm curious. Um, I'm going a little off track here because I, I want to talk to you more about kind of your where you started, like yeah. high school and up. But because you've been in recruiting and the career space so long and seen both sides of it, mm-hmm. what would you say is the biggest change you've seen over all that time? I mean, technology is changing the landscape a little bit, but from a from a hiring and career searching space, have you seen any significant trends? You know, I, I would say that information has never been more accessible to all of us, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, chat GPT, for instance, and just the way that we can use that to ask questions about certain roles and, and understand, you don't have to go scour the internet anymore, even to find out if I want to know, explain a customer success job to me as if I were a fourth grader. I can say that to chat GPT as a command and I can have it rattle off some things. And is it perfect? Not always, but it can it can accelerate my knowledge so quickly into, is this for me? Do I basically understand this? It can give me the gist of something really quickly. And I think even back, uh, I'm a multiple career pivoter myself. And when I went through my first career pivot, I remember LinkedIn really wasn't a thing. There weren't really career coaches. There wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet yet. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know how to build a resume. And so looking now at the world of LinkedIn and all of the free advice and YouTube, and I just feel like if you have a question and you know the question that you're looking to ask, I think that's the magic is if you know what your question is, you can find that answer out there. And that's a really cool time to be living in right now that the answers are just out there if you want to go find them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, some of the the people that I've talked to on this podcast, they talk about future skills or survival skills, as somebody called it, for young people going out into the working world. And one of the things that I'm hearing over and over again is being to ask, being able to ask good questions, right? Because that's yeah. so important. And and you're just reinforcing that now. So let's rewind a little bit back to Erin as a high school student. When you were in high school. Um, what did you think? Did you know what you wanted to do? Did you, were you sure you were going to college? What was your, what was your thought Uh, process back then? Uh, so heck no, I did not know (laughs) what I was going to do. I, you know, um, gosh, well, first of all, you're making me go into the archives a little bit here. I'm like, yeah, what was I thinking about in high school? But, um, I went to a, um, an all girls high school actually was pretty academically focused, and I will say that it, I think, was one of the best things that I did in my life because I, I came from one school organization and I was really underprepared to join that sort of challenging environment. And so high school for me was a lot of, I felt like, making up for lost time. I wasn't as uh, able to write as quickly as other people and, and study as well as other people. And oddly enough, I just helped my mom clean her kitchen last weekend and she found my old report cards. And I pulled them out and I was like, oh, yeah, I was a really good student. And I was just like so smart. And and I was like, I pulled out this report card and I got a D minus on my um, uh, genetics exam. And I was like, I got a D minus. And um, I did. And I'm now I'm telling everybody on your podcast that. Um, <laughs> but I looked through and, you know, I was like a B student going through high school. And I always kind of had a better balance of 
world smarts, life smarts, and I could do well in school, but I was never a memorizer. I was never like a super studier. And um, I was really into 4-H growing up. That was a huge part of my life. And so when I was thinking about going to college, I will just say I made my decision. I started at Michigan State University because I spent a lot of my youth there in 4-H. Michigan State University does a lot with the 4-H organization. And so I thought, well, I love that school because I go there all the time. So I'm going to go there. And I grew up in a family where I was the first uh, within my family to go to college. So uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, You know, she, that was wonderful. And I can't thank her enough for that. But she didn't really have a lot of knowledge of the corporate world. Uh, My dad was a tradesman. He grew up as a butcher and then became an entrepreneur and ran his own very successful meat market and grocery store. But I didn't really have a good understanding of, you know, what would I do when I went to college or how would I find out what I want to do? And I think I got the the old boilerplate, like you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you could yep. be a veterinarian, you know, like there was like those the six things that you'd pick to do. So I went to college and started in a political science major because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then I changed my mind. And then uh, I went into packaging. And then I changed my mind. And then I went into teaching for a brief moment. And then I changed my mind. And then I stopped actually going to college and I just worked for a little while and then decided to do the kind of commuter school thing where I worked full time and I went to school and I got a degree in business. So, um, (laughs) uh, so high school, I didn't really have a plan. I guess that's maybe what it looks like when you don't have a plan in high school, Mm -hmm. but, um, it all shook out perfectly. Okay. Is the end of the is the punchline of the story there. Yeah. And so many guests on this podcast say the same thing. They're like, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't have a direction. I changed my major multiple times. Some dropped out of college and never went back. Like, and I keep telling this to the young, my own young people, my boys and other young, young adults that I work with and talk to, you don't have to have it all figured out. You'll Mm -mm. get there, right? Mm -mm. You just got to know what's next. What are you going to do next? Right? That's such a good call out, Betsy, that it's, um, so I wrote a a LinkedIn post about this at one point where, and it's from that Frozen movie, which I hate, but I have a six-year-old who adores it. And there's that song where they say, you just do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, that's really it, right? Is you don't Mm -hmm. have to know 47 steps in front of you because we all know life's going to come in and make that not what happens. But if you just do one thing in the direction that you're curious, that you're drawn, that you're driven, it tends to work out. You know, good inputs generally lead to good outputs, I found in life. And so, you know, making good decisions for yourself that, you know, aren't finding you with the wrong people or doing the wrong things or things like that. Um, yeah, it, it life has a way of sorting out and sort of providing new options that you never even thought of when you were trying to make the plan. Yeah, that's so, that's such great advice and such a a message that young people need to hear loud and clear, which is why I keep shouting this over and over again. Um, But so let's talk about that. So then you finished, finished school Mm -hmm. and then how did you end up at Amazon? (laughs) Um, So I, I, like I said, I worked my way through college. So I um, actually went into my family's business as my first part of my professional career. 
So I grew up doing that. And then little by little, I I adored that business. It's a really hard business to work in the meat and grocery business. It's lots of hours. I mean, think about when your local grocery store is open and busy, nights, weekends, holidays. It's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty demanding. But um, I, I spent about 15 years doing that and, and running um, you know, a multi-million dollar operation. Little by little, I climbed my way up the ladder. I had to start washing dishes. My dad didn't do the thing where he just like plunked me in an important job from day one. I had to do, you know, the work just like everybody else. But um, that was a great experience because it was a sample of entrepreneurship and it was a sample of just like this freedom to invent and create. And in that, um, it was a blessing, but it was also a curse, I would say, because I became one of those, you know, jack of all trades where I could do so many things, but I didn't really know how to explain that to somebody in a way where I could say, well, this is what I'm good at. So um, I, I made a decision to leave that, uh, to leave the family business because it just, you know, I wanted to have kids and I knew I wanted to be married. And it just, I saw the life that it was for my family and it was a great living, but it just was a very big slice of life's pie was spent mm-hmm. with work. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was recruited by Trader Joe's into their leadership program. And I worked for them for a very short period of time. Fantastic organization. Um, but again, retail. And I just kind of said, you know, it's kind of same thing that I was doing. So I actually reached out and leveraged a connection who I used to do a lot of catering for back in my family's business. And I said, hey, you're always hosting these fancy parties and ordering cases of crab legs. And I don't know what you do for a job, but you seem important. And so I would like to know what you do. And maybe I would like to do that. Um, Again, real good at the planning thing, right? So I love that, though. I love you with the confidence and really the guts to say, hey, what do you do? I want to I might want to do that. I mean, I, I, I didn't I didn't know. Right. I just like I said, there weren't resources. I didn't know. And so I just thought, who do I know around me who I could ask? And, you know, I think that's a really good lesson or a good takeaway is open your mouth and ask a question. You know, don't be afraid to ask a question, because if you don't ask, you're not giving someone a chance to respond. And so, you know, that woman could have said, oh, you know, I do this and, you know, end of conversation. But she said, you know, I actually work in the staffing and recruiting industry and we're looking to hire someone. I just moved to a new job. And if you're ever interested, you know, I would be happy to pass your resume along. And so, you know, again, I didn't have a resume, so that was a bunch of panic, but I (laughs) cobbled one together and this, this woman interviewed me and I had no idea what I was interviewing for. Like, I'm not even going to joke. I I, I was like, I don't really know what staffing and recruiting is, but it's just not this other job I've been doing and I'm sure it'll be great. And she hired me and I um, became a bit like a project coordinator. We were called client delivery managers where I did some client facing sales work and then I helped manage our internal teams. And, um, I, I will say I, I started on my first day. I never had sent an Outlook calendar invite before. And I just vividly remember sitting in this conference room with all of these people in dress clothes, uh, which I wore jeans to work every day for my entire career. And I felt so out of place. And then someone asked me to send a calendar invite. And I thought, I don't know how to do that. And so I went back to my desk and I Googled how to send an Outlook calendar invite, invite because I, I had no clue. Um, so it was like a really interesting time of moving into something new of just like sheer puke worthy panic most days. <laughs> um, 
but that usually means that you're learning, right? When you feel a little sick to your stomach, it means you're outside of your comfort zone. And so there's probably some growth happening. So uh, I worked in the recruiting industry for uh, about six years or so and moved up. It's a, it's an industry where you can move up very quickly. People who are hard workers. And that's one thing that I will say, my parents taught me really well was I was, I've always been a a hard worker and somebody who, you know, if I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And um, moved up through there. And I just hit this point where I'd had both of my kids and I lived the experience of Uh, maternity leave or lack thereof in very small organizations. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to keep working in this small kind of company environment. I want to work for a big, well-known company. And um, I set my sights on Amazon. And at that point, LinkedIn was a thing. And I hopped on LinkedIn and I Googled Detroit, Amazon, and found a guy who worked at Amazon in Detroit and sent him a message, which nobody was really doing that you know, back in what was that, like probably 2016, and just said, hey, I see you work at Amazon, and we both live in Detroit. Would you have a phone call with me? And he did. And um, he ended up becoming one of my colleagues and is still a friend to this day. He referred me in after talking for an hour and said, hey, I'll pass your resume along. And, uh, you know, went through the Amazon loop process, which is pretty grueling. It's a series of phone screens and then it's five back-to-back interviews. It's an entire day where you just go like you stay in a room and person after person comes in and interviews you. And uh, it, I had to do a case study and all kinds of stuff, but um, it was just at that point in my career where I was, I had had enough of some of the things that were tough about the places I had worked. And so I was like, I'm getting this job at Amazon. I'm going to do this. And uh, it, it all worked out okay. And that was, you know, six years ago. So since then, I've had a bunch of different jobs here and kind of, I guess, moved up the up the ladder, so to speak. I love this story so much. <laughs> it's goofy, I, because, right? <laughs> well, it is, but, you know, nobody has a straight path. Nobody's career is a straight yeah. path, right? And uh, I always say it's a jungle gym because you're going up and down and back and forth and but I love your transparency about it because I think some people feel like even on resumes, you know, they don't want to look like they've moved around a lot or job hopped a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the skills are transferable and it shows that you have, you were curious and you tried new things and you've learned new things. Like your experience of, of everything you've done that you just talked about in the past five or so minutes is so valuable. And your perspective on how you got there. Again, parents who are listening to this, please share this episode with your young people because this is the kind of, you know, I say it to my kids and they go, I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to bother him. Right. Yeah. But sometimes they have to step out of their comfort zone and learn how to reach out to people like that. So, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, I I breeze through that story, but let me tell you, there was a lot of crying. Mm. There was a lot of like, I don't know what I'm doing. There was a lot of this is clearly a mistake, Um, you know, so I I think that a lot of times when, you know, people retell or recount a story quickly, you know, to to get from start to finish, we glaze over a lot of those moments that are the dull, you know, don't make the final cut in the story moments that just aren't that shiny, but are very real and very normal. And, you know, I, I do think it's important to talk about those things, you know, even in the team that I lead today. I, I really lead from a place of 
owning what we don't know and saying, I don't know, or I made a mistake, or I don't understand that. Um, when you speak up and you own the fact that you didn't have it all figured out, there's so much power in leading with that. There's mm-hmm. so much power in saying, I made a mistake, or I learned something, or I don't understand, because you're, you're opening up the room and you're creating an opportunity for people to help you. You're creating an opportunity for people to connect with you and, and understand that we're all the same. We're, nobody's got it figured out. And, and, you know, leading with that cool front of everything's fine and I've got it all buttoned up, that doesn't leave a crack in the door for people to help you. And I mean, I will say that for me, there have been so many moments where somebody helped me. And, you know, I don't think anybody does it alone when they make it along whatever their life's path is. So true. Yeah. I mean, I, same with me, my career was a lot of swerves in the road and a lot of different places, but every single time there were people there who helped me transition and get stronger and smarter and helped me on my way to the next position, whatever that was. And we'll be right back after a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is all really valuable information for job seekers, especially young job seekers. If you could go back and give yourself five pieces of advice. So younger Aaron, knowing what you know now in this whole, you know, coming out of college and and your story is a little different, right? Because you were in the family business, but when you were embarking on your career outside of the family business, what are the things you wish that you knew or would have done differently? All right. So, I've got a I've got a handful of them I guess in no particular order. The first one is to always have a backup plan. I I think that I can look in my own life and you know for a long time I thought I would stay in my family's business forever. And so I worked in a tunnel in the sense that I wasn't thinking about what does Aaron outside of this business look like? How would I tell my story to someone else? How would I explain what I'm good at? outside of the roof of this business here. And so having that backup plan, it doesn't mean you have to action upon it. It just means like thinking about yourself in other capacities, in other environments, so that should that come to be, you're not completely off guard, like caught off guard on that. And and I think that that's really useful to to think about, you know, I work with a lot of transitioning teachers in my in my job search practice that I have. And one of the things that I notice so often about teachers is teachers are individuals who say, oh, I knew I wanted to do this from a time when I was very young. And then I went to school for teaching and I became a teacher. And now I don't know how to separate myself from that identity. And that idea of, again, not that you have to have one foot out the door with teaching, but just to think about there's more to your story than that single path. And so having that and, and playing around with that in your mind, I think, is a really good, healthy exercise to do throughout your career. What else might I be doing right now if I wasn't doing this? What else would I be curious about? If I could leave my job today and go do something else, what would that be? And just to kind of think about those things and what that brings about, 
I love being curious about those things. Yeah. And I think I hear from a lot of young people and just from, from employers, college grads in particular have a really tough time articulating what their skills are and what they've learned and how it relates or how it can bring value to the employer. Right. So what you're saying, I think it's important at any point in your career, but I think it's particularly important for people who have very little or no experience to say, what am I good at? And how does that benefit the working world? So I think that's really important. Yeah. And it, it kind of segues perfectly into the next one, which I'm, I'm a super duper fan. And I, I I do this with my kids is do and learn, don't learn and do. Mm. And, and I, and I do think that, you know, a bit of the, the, the practice of going through college can be a little bit of the learn than do when really we're in a world and I see that we're shifting more and more to where you don't have to go through these milestones necessarily to then be qualified to take an action. You can take an action right now. And in doing that, you're building, it's like, um, I, I use the analogy of you can read all the books you want about riding a bike, but until you get on a bike, you've never ridden a bike. You've only in theory, pictured in your mind's eye what riding a bike would look like. And so finding that way to start getting yourself on the bike of your career or life or taking on a new uh, hobby or whatever it is, getting on the bike and giving yourself the opportunity to know I'm going to fall off this bike. Even if I have all the theory in the world, I'm not going to be a perfect bike rider the moment I hop on the bike. It's really important to, um, to, to lead from that from a place of action rather than a place of pure study. Excellent advice. I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but yeah, just because you read about it doesn't mean you know how to do it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I try and encourage, encourage my kids to do that too. I'm like, just try it. If it doesn't work out or you fail or you struggle, so what? Try it again or try it differently or yeah. don't try it again. But yeah. you never really know. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's a, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there with that whole, that whole idea. I don't know where this comes from, um, uh, of this being wrong, afraid to be wrong. And it, another piece of advice, you know, I say, if you have a question, just ask, it's never dumb to try to understand, but this whole idea of being wrong, being wrong is such a freeing gift. It's, it's A, because no one's right all the time. And then B, if you're wrong, it means you're doing something that you don't know how to do or you don't understand or you're being curious. And so this idea of of embracing the maybe discomfort of being incorrect or wrong or feeling a little embarrassed that you didn't know, but um, the gifts that come from that, the learning that comes from that, that means you're doing something that's outside of what you already know. And I think that that's so important. Yeah. At the risk of getting on my soapbox, because I talk about this a lot, Yeah, school is what do, I think a big part of what does that, right? Because you're graded on, on whatever the subject is, whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. whether you've claimed knowledge or, or learned it. Um, I had a guest on a while back and he talked about how kids should be graded on proficiency and progress, not on mastery. Like, almost there or for effort, right? You tried really hard and you went from a D to a B. That's fantastic. But I think kids get so beaten down because 
it's all about getting the A's. And I mean, that's part of the start of this whole podcast is it's a hamster wheel, get the A's, get the grades, get the, you know, the SAT score, whatever it is, but at what cost? And, and what about what you learned along the way? What about the experiences that you're having and the exploration that you're doing? But I'm off on a tangent. Sorry. Um, that happens yeah, a lot. I, I, I could probably talk to you about that for the rest of this hour that we have. Maybe we'll do another episode. <laughs> we could just both get on our soapbox together. <laughs> Great. I welcome the company up there. <laughs> um, so what other advice? Do you um, have? Let's see here. So, you know, another one that kind of goes along with this, and then I think I have one more, is yes, you do know. Stop telling yourself you don't. Mm-hmm. The, the phrase, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I see this so, so much with job seekers. They'll come to me and they'll ask me a question. Well, do you think I should, I don't know what I should do. Should I put this in the email or should I put it as an attachment? Like, think about what you're asking me there. Like, that's not, that's not a question you need to ask somebody else. That's something you got to trust yourself on. And so, really noticing when you're telling yourself you don't know versus stopping and being like, wait a minute, maybe I'm not completely sure, but I can figure it out. I could, to what we already talked about, like do that one next step, that one next right thing in the direction, or think about if I were on the receiving end of this, would it matter if this thing came through in the body of the email or the attachment? You know, to think about these types of things and really to to employ that self-ownership of making the decision and figuring it out and not turning it into a a super big, massive problem to solve, but just one small step and the not selling yourself out with the I don't knows, which um, really does undermine confidence. You know, when people go into job interviews, you can generally tell when someone tells themselves, I don't know a lot, or I'm not sure, or "I, I don't know if this is really the right thing that I should be saying. And, um, so I really like, I like replacing it with, I can figure it out. doesn't mean you have to have the answers. It just means you're, you're curious enough to move toward figuring out what those answers are versus kind of throwing your hands up and saying, I'm going to need someone else to come in and tell me something here. I think the operative word and you used it is confidence, right? I mean, especially younger people who don't have the experience and are still figuring out who they are and what they want. They struggle with that confidence. And any thoughts about helping them believe in themselves and, and be more confident about that kind of stuff? You know, I, I think I don't know that there's just one small action or, or you know, you could go and do something to the point that we talked about, you know, in job search, there's a lot of people with hacks and gimmicks and stuff. Like, I don't think there's a hack for that. I think a lot of confidence and feeling like I know comes from a place of spending time in your youth doing something that you enjoy, that you're interested in, that you feel talented at. And, you know, for me, that was 4-H. I, I built my, I can figure it out, I do know, in 4-H because I raised animals and I lost competitions and I had to speak to adults and I traveled and did all kinds of things to be an ambassador for it. And that helped me build my own muscle of, I trust myself, I can figure these things out. And that then shows up to me as confidence. And so I think, you know, for young people, it's whether you're drawn to, you know, magic or soccer or something in the middle, 
it's leaning into those things that you're good at, that you enjoy, that you're talented at, because those are the things that you know and that you can build that feeling of expertise and comfort. And when you can ground yourself and say, there are some things that I absolutely do know. So on the counter side of that balance, when there are things I don't know, that doesn't diminish me as a person. That's just sort of the 50-50 of everything. You know, some things you don't know, some other things, no big deal. So for me, that I think is what, what shakes out as confidence is just grounding yourself in something that you're proud of, that you believe in yourself about, that you enjoy. And that way, the other side of the not knowing, it's okay because nobody knows everything. You're great at some other stuff. Yeah. Every, I say that everybody has talents and everybody has skills and you you can bring value to somebody somewhere. You just have to figure out what that is and where. That's excellent advice. I love that. So let's talk about the future of work. Yeah. You, you must be seeing it. I mean, at Amazon in particular, it's it's moving at the speed of light, right? Like everything keeps changing. The, the ground keeps changing under us. And so fast that I, I was listening to a webinar not too long ago, and this gentleman speaking was a air quotes expert on chat GPT and AI. And they asked him his thoughts on something. And he said, I don't know, ask me again next week, because it's going to change. And not just chat GPT, but in general, what kind of advice or kind of heads up would you give to people getting ready to enter the workforce? Like what Mm. kinds of things are there skills they should be developing? Are there things they should be aware of or learning about? Um, what kind of qualities do you see? I know this is kind of a big, broad question, but yeah, you know, I, I think you see this massive wave, and it might be because you know I spend so much time on LinkedIn, and it's certainly a, a, a brewing ground for it. But you see this groundswell of people who are moving into solopreneurship or or micro entrepreneurship where you know even young high schoolers or, or or folks even younger than high school are saying hey I can hop online and I could sell something and generate revenue for myself or I could create a business and so I I think there's a piece for me about really challenging students to think about what great work means to them and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to graduate from high school and go to college and get a four-year degree and then go. Great work can happen in so many different ways. And if you're curious about ChatGPT and that's something you really want to lean into, I I can only imagine ChatGPT is like for high schoolers now what the what what the internet was when I was in high school, right? I remember tinkering around in HTML, programming my first website, thinking yep. like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like, I don't know if this internet thing's going to take off. And, you know, there were like six websites, right? So right. I didn't really understand how the World Wide Web worked at that point. <laughs> but, you know, to, to, to think about if you're drawn to those things, lean into them, Define what great work looks like for you. Look for opportunities to add value for people because you don't have to follow a a linear path to add value. And if you can add value for someone, you can make an income. So I think when I think about the future of work, it seems like there are so there's such a bigger gradient of options. You know, when when my parents grew up, it was most people, you know, went into a trade 
And so for my parents, they wanted us to go to college because college meant you wouldn't have to work so hard and, you know, go through the things that they endured. I went through college and now, you know, I look around at the corporate world and I see people defecting out of the corporate world and saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go and I want to be sort of the decider of my own destiny. And I want to do so. There's like all these options. And then you kind of come back around and you look at the trades and you say, wait a minute, a trade is an amazing job to pursue. They're great paying. It's 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 um, uh, active. You know, you don't sit in a chair all day. You're out. You're meeting people. You can be your own business owner. So when I think about the future of work, I think of possibilities. I think there isn't one right way to to think of life in the future. And I think that's where getting curious and embracing those failures becomes really important, especially in the high school, college, maybe early 20s years. You can mess up and start all over again. And I hope parents don't hate me for saying that. I don't mean like do reckless things. (laughs) I mean, like, take a believe in yourself chance and do something because starting over, if that's even, you know, a word I need to use in your 20s is so possible and so recoverable and to just do big motions that test big things i think that is really what what can help people find the right match for what they want in their future oh that is amazing advice and i couldn't agree with you more i mean i keep saying that now is the time to take those risks and try things and you know you have you have skin in the game, but nowhere near like you will in your 30s and 40s and 50s. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how, you know, when you're when you're in it, okay, like I can remember it and be like, well, I can't, I couldn't screw up now. It would all be so messed up. And then you get into your 30s and you're like, huh, I should have done that in my 20s because now I can't screw it up. And now I'm in my 40s and I'm like, hmm, I probably should have done that in my 30s because I totally could have afforded to like maybe redo a few things if it wouldn't have worked out. So I, you know, I I guess the older and wiser we get, you know, it's like you look back and you think there's so much runway in your Mm -hmm. youth to just do big things, like take big chances and smart choices, right? Not, not dumb choices, but to, to really go for it and sort of test the limits a little bit. And it's funny too, because when you're in your twenties, you know, you're like, you don't know. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be in your 20s. At least that's what, you know, my kids right, say to me. But, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. It would be great to be able to instill that kind of mindset in teens and young adults. So when they do get to that early point in their career or their life, that they're not afraid to take those yeah. calculated risks, right? Yeah. And be playful with it. I mean, think of the word playful even. Like when you think of play and enjoying and, and really being like, I I use the word curious a lot, but I think it's such a good word because it's just like possibilities and interest and inquiry and nothing bad can come from those types of actions or ideas, right? You're only going to learn more about what you either are great at or what you don't want to do anymore. And I think that's really what most people are trying to sort through. Even people in their forties who didn't maybe do that and indexes heavily on that, that's still what they're trying to figure out is they're trying to figure out within the tightening constraints of life of now I have a mortgage and now I have kids and now I have a car payment. You know, they're trying to figure out what they want. So to play around with that in, in your high school and college and early twenties years, I think just there's so much possibility there. 
We could talk for a very long time. We could. <laughs> we could. But I want to be mindful of your time. So I just want to say one thing too, because how I found you, for lack of a better word, was through LinkedIn. And I, I got to say this to my listeners. If you do not follow Aaron Luber on LinkedIn, when you are done listening to this podcast, go do that right away. Because you churn out so much good content day after day that's useful and valuable and interesting and delivered in a way that's engaging. And I mean, I really can't say enough about it. Like you, you are one of the top influencers in my life. And I think one of the top in- influencers on LinkedIn, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, but thank you. It, really, the, the work that you do is amazing. And I'm going to give you a, a minute now to to tell people where they can find and follow you, LinkedIn and otherwise, and anything else you want to mention, products and services yeah. that you offer. All right. So um, LinkedIn definitely is where I hang out. Uh, I'm not on any other social media. I made a very intentional decision to purge most of that from my life. So LinkedIn is just my hangout online. And uh, you can find me, just search my name, Erin Luber. I think I come up, I'm pretty Googleable at this point too. So I have a website. It is also my name. It's erinluber.com. Uh, that has some information about the services that I offer. And as far as services go, I offer a resume blueprint course. It's super accessible um, and it's meant to teach anyone at any phase of their life or career how to build a resume that gets interviews. And it's it's pulling together all those years of everything that I've done in this space to say, I've looked at all these resumes, I've interviewed myself, I've struggled with resumes. And so um, that product is something that uh, I, I really love because it it I, I sell it, but it's really something I feel like it's more of a public service because when you know how to sell yourself on a piece of paper, it's a game changer. So for sure, for um, sure. You know, beyond that, I have some other stuff on my website. I offer you know hourly private coaching and and longer packages as well for folks like I said who are um, looking to do more of strategic career development, where maybe they're they're looking to level up and get promoted or things like that. So. Um, Everything's on my website. Find me on LinkedIn. I would love to have folks follow along on LinkedIn and join in the conversation too. Don't just follow. I love, you know, interacting. I I think I'm still uh, like I don't know how many years later. I'm still pretty much a hundred percent on. I reply to all comments on all of my posts. So um, it's it's a community I've really enjoyed building and would love to have more people join there. Yeah. Well, I will continue to follow and engage. Wonderful. I, I'd, love, I'd love to join the conversation too. Yeah, look, this is this came out of this, right? We met yeah. through LinkedIn. So yeah. I just think that's so cool. Yeah, I agree. I have more friends on LinkedIn, I think, than I do in real life. <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I think it's true. <laughs> have you met any of them from LinkedIn? I have. Okay. I have. Not many, just like yeah. a couple. But yeah. Yeah. It's always weird though when you meet them in real life. Yeah. Not weird. Good weird. But, yeah. But, but just like, so like, cool that that's the yeah. world we live in, right? Like you just yeah. make a friend and from the internet and they become yeah. a real friend. Like you and I, our yeah. paths would never have crossed. Never. No, never. Yeah. So yeah. everybody. Well, I'm, glad they, I'm glad they did. Yeah. Big plug for the internet at the end here, right? <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for being here, Erin. I really appreciate oh, it. Thanks so much for having me, Betsy. Enormous thanks to my guest, Aaron Luber, for joining me today. Aaron's no-nonsense, straightforward advice is valuable to anyone at any stage of their career. I hope you will share this episode with the teens and young adults in your life. 
There's no better time than now for young people to start thinking about building career confidence, connecting with others, and exploring the future of work. One of the tips that Erin shared really struck a chord with me. She said we should think about what great work really means to us. That answer may be different for each of us, but in the end, it will help us gain clarity in our career journey. Thanks so much for listening. I truly appreciate you being here, and I welcome your feedback on today's show and suggestions for future episodes. All links and references can be found in the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. Please take a minute and give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your review will help other people find the show. That's it for now. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.